And I want to, we've been talking for a couple weeks about better and how to make 2019 a better year. And with that, we have suggested to you one thing to let go of. And last week we talked about transparency. And it was encouraging for me this week, the number of folks that did uh, begin to practice that and continue to do so. So uh, great things for 2019. And I want to continue that this morning and, uh, and next week as well. We'll wrap up the series called Better of 2019. Before we dive in there, I do, uh, I do want to mention these things. This is um, how I get to know you. Paula had some great information this morning, but she knows some of that information because some of you have allowed us the opportunity to get to know you. And so we have these uh, on the back table in the very back of the room here. And um, if you're here for the first time or, or maybe you've been checking us out, you've been here a few times and you're going to make sure this place is okay, uh, we'd just like to reach out to you, help you connect, have a conversation, and um, no salesman will call and you won't be charged a higher rate. We just uh, want to talk to you a little bit if you'll let us. So these are in the back table. We do have a gift for you. And I believe it's a mug full of chocolates and other helpful items around the house. And uh, we'd be greatly appreciative if you'd help us with that today. And Jenny going to be back on the back table, I believe. So with that. Okay. A few things in life that I wish that um, a few times someone would just have set me down and said, okay, this is, uh, this is what you need to do. Because I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not the smartest person in this room. I'm looking around. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure of it. A lot of you smarter than me. But if I, if I could have someone just really simply, and I, and I wish some things, because I started following Jesus when I was 17, senior in high school, a lot I didn't know, and I wish someone would just have set me down and say, son, here's, here's three things to do this week here's here's something to apply to your life and avoid hardship down the road because i, I come into following jesus and, and he just accepts me the way i am he does the same for you he says come follow me and so out of our mess he says come follow me we begin to follow him step by step and we learn some things that we can do and some things we can apply to our life but yet you know the, as that has happened to me over the years, there's been some resistance at times because I don't always like what I'm hearing. And so I try to find an escape route. You know, maybe there's a different way to go with this. Maybe there's a different interpretation. And surely there is. There's a lot of stuff out there. And I kind of came to Christianity with this blank slate. So I had not, not preconceived ideas. So I listened to a lot of things. I tried a lot of things, and I stand before you now um, with a little bit of seasoning on me. Uh, I, I've, got to, I've got to see God's Word. I've got to hear some different applications and opportunities and test some things in life and, um, and come back to sometimes just how simple some things really are. And so today I want to demystify some things for you. I want to be real simple. It's going to be really clear. And yet I think that there's some great application for your life if you'll let it. 
And so I want to I want to just speak ahead of time because it could be what I share with you today that the that the defense walls begin to come up because you've heard something different. You've you're applying something different. And I, I just would ask you to have an open mind this morning because I, <clears throat> what's even more important than I speak this morning, that I speak this morning, is that God speaks this morning. Is there anybody who would like to hear from God today? Yes. Okay. Well, I want to invite you, to, let's just pray a simple prayer for a moment and invite God to speak today uh, because regardless of what I share, that's the most important thing that would happen in these next few minutes. So pray with me if you would. Father, I'm so glad for the people that you brought here in this room today. People that have awakened, they've driven um, across the street, they've driven across the city, they've come from across the water, and yet you assemble us here in this place today, and, and I, I don't want to just give a, a presentation or a talk today, God, but I believe you, you've given me something to share that is your word today. And God, I know, I know I need your word in my life. And there are witnesses here today that, that say the same. God, we want to hear from you today. A holy God that wants to see us become more like you every day. And so God, give us that privilege in these next few minutes. Give us open hearts and minds that we may sense and know, even if we don't agree. But God, perhaps this is worth considering because there's a Spirit of God element here this morning. So God, give us ears to hear. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to share with you this morning in this third part of Better from 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writing here to Timothy, and he's giving him some warnings, giving him some instructions, and he's <clears throat> giving him some things to be wary of, weary of and some things to apply to his life. And that's, that's where I want to pick up this morning. And ultimately, when we're done, I, I hope that there's some freedom here today. We need some freedom. I need some freedom. 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to begin in verse 3. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. I'm going to pause there for a moment and we'll continue reading. And, but I, would, I just want to pause for a moment because this is first century this is Paul writing to Timothy and yet in these few sentences we see there are already those that 
think that godliness is a means to financial gain. That somehow you could take this as a, and use it as a tool to, to gain something for yourself financially. That you could use this. And, and there's a mixing of words. There's, there's false doctrines. There's uh, false teachings. And there's this bad element going on. And so Paul begins by giving Timothy this, this overview. And this is amazing to me that this is their conversation. This is what he needs to write about in the first century. My question, first question this morning is, is it possible that this could even be going on today? Could there possibly be those, those that would lead, those that would see that godliness could be a means to financial gain? Just a question. But I made a little sign today, and actually Otto made a sign for me, because when I read this, and I read this warning, it at least, least once, leads me to want to bring a little bit of caution to the table. Caution. I'm going to use this sign a couple times this morning. Because when I... When I see that this is possible in the first century, and in my observation, it's also possible today that we would see people who would, again, use godliness and see that as a means to financial gain. Because when I've experienced that and when I've seen that, it's a, it, uh, and I can look back over that, that there's been a process where people would even manipulate and use others for the benefit of themselves in the name of Christianity in the church. That's just my observation. But that's a caution for me. And that's something I wish someone had set me down when I was 17 or 18 and, and said, young man, watch for this. Watch for this because not everybody has your best interest at heart. Not everybody has the best interest of the kingdom of God at heart. We'll continue. And Paul continues, and he gives us this great thought but in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Can we camp out here for a moment? Godliness, being like God, and then having that match with contentment. I'm content. And that's great gain. I can tell you, though, that I have not always been content. I do not come into Christianity content. I come to Christianity, I come to Jesus, and I, I, I think back, I, I know it is all about me. <laughs> I like me. And so I'm not content. And so I look, I look and I read this passage, and I, I think I, I don't want to be I don't want to be one who would ever seek, you know, Christianity the church to be about financial gain, but, and I, but I want to be content. But what all does this mean? What is Paul exactly saying to Timothy? Because I don't know that I'm content. And you may sit here this morning and you do a fair evaluation and you consider yourself as well. Are you content today? If you're content today... I'm going to suggest to you that it is a skill that you have worked on and developed. Because that is not our natural tendency. 
Our natural tendency is it is about me, folks. I really like the best seat in this place. I like my coffee hot. I like my eggs fried and my bacon crispy. Just in case you need to know that for the future. But I struggle with contentment. And I, I used to think it was a good thing. Because my, you know, my, I'm a triple tasker. If you've been coming here a little bit, you know that. I, I like to you know, double, triple task, do multiple things at the same time. It's kind of a bragging point for me. But I look and I know that there was also, there was this, there was this restless discontent that I've also battled. And I come into Christianity with. And so um, my wife... I don't know if it's the same thing or she just likes to say yes, but we used to move just for fun. We would, we would get in a place, get it all decorated and, and get it nice, and, and we'd sit around and think, well, where can we move to next? <laughs> and we just keep boxes <laughs> because we just like to move our stuff. We couldn't commit to a one-year lease because we could only be there six months. And we just move around the city, see new places. <laughs> Wear our friends out. Come and help me. Anybody with a truck, come and help us. And we'd move around. And so if I have any level of contentment today, it has been a skill that has been learned. Because it is not natural. I'm not content. Let's look further. Paul writes on. For we brought nothing into the world... And we can take nothing out of it. I think it was John Piper I read that said um, that he's never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. There's nothing going with us. <laughs> we leave this world and it's all left behind. There's nothing, nothing there. In verse 8, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. How are you doing with that? <laughs> food, clothing? Better be some nice food and clothing, right? I got needs. I got wants. Food and clothing, really. Because most, <laughs> most people I have conversation with, they're thinking about retirement funds and retirement days. Thinking about what next thing we want and what next thing we need. What, what next phone Apple's going to come out with. What is it that we have to have next? It's not just food and clothing. But Paul says we, can, we, we will be content with that. In verse 9, people who want to get rich fall into temptation in a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. You see this discontentment? Discontentment has caused me to do some really foolish things. Because I look around and I see someone else that has something and I like what they have and they say that, well, I can have this too. No money down. Sign here, drive today. I mean, that's what I came into the, into the world with. I see some of you don't know that, and some of you maybe. But in 1983, I did not have a car, but I had my first real job where I really got paid on a regular basis. It was military. 
but I got a check. And I needed a car. And so my mind does not think, because I did not grow up with this, my mind thinks I need to go get a car. And I have a sum of money. And instead of taking that sum of money and buying a nice used car that ran, I took my sum of money and said, here is my down payment. Please give me a payment book. And we began, that's how we began our married life. Again, I wish someone would have said to me, young man, don't do this. But that wasn't where either of Paula or I came from. And so we went out and we got a nice new car. We got us an 83 vet. Do we have a picture of that vet? Who said that? Who's telling my story? I think we got a picture. There we go. 83 vet, folks. AC is the two windows down. AM radio. Uh, both front seats recline back. Uh, th- this beast gets about, I don't know, 25 miles a gallon. Uh, fine Chevrolet product. And that's what I went into debt for. Incredible. Stan Plester, bless his heart if you're still alive, Stan, uh, sold me that first car and said, just sign here. And so here we go and here we begin our life. We drove that car cross country with three people in it multiple times. Stopping occasionally to retighten the lug nuts because the wheels were falling off. Just came with the package. A little extra safety item. That's my 83 vet. You remember that. Because I like to talk about my 83 vet occasionally. Back to scripture, please. (laughs) I wasn't satisfied, though, just with that vet. Because uh, there were more opportunities. There were options then to upgrade my vehicle. You can now trade this vehicle. And it'll be a little more money, but no big deal. And that's how things continue. How about that? (laughs) Because they make it easy. And I've noticed in the time I've lived in Guatemala, it used to not be so easy to do what I'm telling you. Uh, You had to have some means to be able to finance cars and finance houses. And yet, in Guatemala even, now that I've been here going on 13 years, uh, it's become a reality here. We can finance that phone for you. We can finance that car for you. We can finance houses. And so life becomes about this. And then we get one even, and maybe we, we want the upgrade. We want the next one. Do you get what I'm saying about discontentment? It's a, it is a skill. It is a skill. I just touched on last week, I think, about, um, about being slave to the lender. Just simple proverb. But if you're going to... If you're a slave to the lender, you see, you sign on the line and you commit yourself. But I know how this works because not only do we commit ourselves, we also commit God, right? Because he's, he's made some promises. He's going to go with us. And yet, <laughs> I don't think he's into 7.5% interest. Right? It's awful quiet in here. We're talking about skills. 
We're talking about traps. Paul says that those who want to get rich fall into temptation. In a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Because we get ideas, folks. I'm speaking from experience. I get ideas. And if I can launch this new business, all I just need is a little small business loan. I just need a few investors to join me. And we'll get this thing launched. It's a great idea. Anybody who tries to speak into my, into my life with, and into my business plan with some wisdom and some caution, well, we reject that. Very quiet. <laughs> Thank you, our listener. <laughs> See, there's traps, folks. And a lot of times it looks like a dotted line. You just sign here. You just go here. Um, I can remember, though, God beginning to work in my life and begin to try to... I didn't even know what this was. But it was God beginning to give me opportunity and to, give, and to call me into a, a life of ministry that would be perhaps even full-time. But what it began to... I was excited about that, but at the same time, it scared me to death. I mean, what if, I mean, I'm talking a, a Air Force sergeant. <laughs> I'm talking about an insurance agent. And you fill in the blank what you are. But God began to stir my heart and say, I want you to come follow me. And my first thought, it begins to go to money. Now, I'm not a lover of money. None of us are lovers of money. None of us. Ever. Ever. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just asking for a friend. Because this is the way this goes down. See, I, I, I wanna, I'm excited, and I'm emotional, and I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to follow Him. I'm excited about where this could go, and yet I'm, I'm frightened because then I know that, well, Oh my goodness, then I, who's going who's gonna to provide for me? I know God provides for other people, but then He would have to provide for me. And I'm not sure how He would do that. I mean, what if this, what if this church goes belly up? What if, what if this just doesn't work out? What if? What if God forgets about me? He won't forget about you, but what if He forgot about me? Maybe this is just crazy things that go through my mind. But what if, what if God were to suggest to you and say, I want you to do something different. You're an engineer, you're, a, you're an accountant, you're an insurance agent, a lawyer, but God's got something different for you and wants you to launch some kind of a ministry thing. Would that kind of frighten you a little bit? Would that scare you a bit? Not because you're a lover of money. It scared me because I'd already signed on the dotted line in that beautiful 83 vet. And I've obligated me, and I've obligated God, and I've obligated my witness, I've obligated everybody around me. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not that money is a root of evil, but the love of money. A little G God. Because I can have conversations, I mean, with church leaders, pastors, 
anybody, business leaders, teachers, anybody. We can talk for a little while, but conversation often revolves something to do with money, the economy, the future, what we're going to do next. And it, it is an area of, again, caution. I wish that before I signed on the dotted line that I at least sought some counsel with an open mind. Because I've done some crazy stuff. Thankfully, God bailed me out. Thankfully, a few times, but I can, I can look back and I can think, boy, I, I think pretty sure God was over on the side saying, don't do it. Don't do that. But sometimes I get a great idea and I think that's got to be the way. And I'm not really open to other input, unfortunately. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I see all this package. I see what Paul has put together for Timothy. He, he lays this out that there are those who would actually seek financial gain. He describes this, this discontentment or contentment that is possible. And all the pitfalls and this love of money and all these things. And, and how some have even left the faith. I mean, this is still first century, folks. Some have not answered the call to ministry, perhaps, in, in our arena today. And if we were really honest, it might be because we had indebted ourselves and we had indebted God. Or we had a bigger idea. Or we thought there was, uh, <clears throat> God had a, a plan of prosperity for us. And we, that's, that's scary, pastoring a church or leading a ministry or doing something or making a very serious impact in the community because God is in it. And we have difficulty trusting Him. Because it's much easier to trust in ourselves. Paul sums it up and he says this. All of this. And he says, but you, but you, man of God, woman of God, child of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness fight the good fight of the faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses but you where do you stand you see everything we talk about it Everything when we talk about an application for your life, when we talk about contentment, the goal is this, the goal is, is freedom. I want you to be free. I want you to be free. Because, folks, you believe this or not, but I, I love you. I love this church. I weep over many of you on a weekly basis. Because I know what's going on. I know the challenges you have. And I wish I could make it better for you. I wish I could intervene many times. I wish I could help you make a, a better decision. But many times I'm not asked. And many times I'm asking, you go on and do something anyway. 
And maybe it works out. But yet we end up a lot of times back in the same place. I left you last week. We, we looked at how what it is to have scars. And we've all got some. And how that scar, it needs to be transparent so that people can see the resurrected Jesus in and through you. And I've wondered this week how some of you have done with that. Because we leave here sometimes and we go back to our homes and we go back to our circumstances and situations. And it's not, we don't see anything different in the moment. And we maybe get discouraged. We maybe make some bad decisions. We maybe get discontented. And that discontentment, we've talked about this morning, this, this financial realm of discontentment. But I'm going to suggest to you today that if you find yourself dancing with sin in any arena of life, that we could trace that back to your root of discontentment. And you become tempted in your discontentment. And you're tempted in the ways that we keep showing you. We keep list, showing this list of things because I'm trying to be all-inclusive. And we become tempted then to medicate too much and drink too much and make sexual sin, moral failure, because we're discontent. It's a skill. Freedom is the goal. Contentment is the key. I need that slide, please. There we go. Freedom is the goal and contentment is the key. You will not be free until you become content. You will not be free until you're content with what God has given you. And you quit signing on the dotted line. And you quit falling into traps and temptations. And, and you instead, you figure out... I am content exactly where I am. Because beyond this, we remember what Paul gives the charge to Timothy here. You man of God, you woman of God, flee from all this. Pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness. And we get to the point that we, it's all about Jesus. And we do that really well when we're in here and we're, we're lifting up praise and we're surrounded by brothers and sisters and it's a great environment as we're the iron is sharpening iron, and yet we leave this and we go back and, and we begin to stumble. We begin to get discontent. And that's why I share with you, I try to share with you something that you can apply to your life. That you can begin to follow Jesus and see Him make your life better and make you better at life. That's what I've, that's what I've seen. That's what I want for you. But I've got I've to get you to recognize a skill, and it's called contentment. I'm going to simplify today because I want, to, I want to demystify all of this. Because just as I suggested in those first verses, there are many thoughts and there are many teachings out there. And you may have adhered to something else. You may have tried something else. You may even look to a pastor and say, okay, pray for this for me. Make this happen. I don't see it that way. I haven't experienced that way. I don't interpret Scripture that way. What I have found, and it's very simple, is that He knows. He knows what I need. He knows what you need. It is not a mystery. He hears me. 
He hears you. Not only does he know, but he, he also, he, he's got it. He has it. And so, I've simplified things like this. He knows, he's got it. It's that simple. And that's the way I'm living this life. Father, I'm not going to be foolish. I'm not going to obligate both of us to indebtedness. I'm not going to be discontent. God, help me to be content. I want to be this man that Paul says to Timothy, this one that is pursuing godliness, this one that is pursuing righteousness and faith and love. I want to be that man, that person. And I want that for you. But we've got to learn the skill of contentment. We've got to be able to say, okay, God knows. God has it. God, you know my needs. You know. You know. There's something that you look at your circumstances this morning, you look at your situation, and and maybe this morning a light bulb comes on. And you say, okay. God, I get this. But God, what a mess I've made. In the sports world, we would call that a rebuilding opportunity. And at the press conference, they would come out and say, well, folks, uh, this is going to be a rebuilding year for us. If you're a Cincinnati fan, you hear that every year. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to just empty the payroll. It's a rebuilding year. But you and I have the same opportunity. That we could declare a rebuilding year. Lord, I get this, and I'm not going to do anything foolish going forward, but God, help me in these circumstances. God, give me some tools to work with, some Dave Ramsey budget plan, the ability to say no, the ability to surround myself with people who can speak into my life and give me some accountability and give me a, a, a circle that's better than rose, a circle that I can speak into and share life and have them share back into mine. We can do some things. We can implement some tools. We can make it a rebuilding year. And God, you know my needs. And God, you have it all. Would you help me? It's about that simple. If you want to argue with me, you can afterwards. I'm going to tell you it's that simple. That's, that's the way that I'm walking this life. I have found more contentment in these days. Not because I have so much, but because I've learned this skill of contentment. I wish I had it when I was 18. I didn't. It's taken me some hard steps, some missteps, some mistakes. But I stand here before you today by the grace of God and thankful that I can say, I know what I'm saying when I'm telling you about contentment. The better you for 2019 is one that's let go of a problem, transparent, and moving, fo moving forward with contentment. It's great gain. Godliness with contentment. It's great gain. We're going to sing this morning about how good God's been. Musicians, come join me up here. You guys are going to sing about the goodness 
of God. And He's been good to me. So, so good to me. In spite of myself, in spite of my craziness, in spite of my discontentment, God has been good to me. I want to invite you to explore this morning. You know, maybe you like me. Maybe God's stirring your heart to do something incredible for the kingdom of God. And it frightens you. I believe you're in a great place. And maybe this morning you could begin to consider, God, what that might look like for God to give you some contentment. I think every week, too, you know, there are, <clears throat> there's an opportunity we get done. I usually go off here on the side. And I do that because I want you, if you need to pray further, that you can do that. Because I, I don't want to stand up here and, and beg you to come pray. Because many times that prayer can take place right where you're at. That spouse next to you, that friend next to you, that person across the aisle from you, they can pray in faith believing, or you can pray by yourself. And you can take care of business with God. And you recognize today that I've, I've been discon discontent. You can take care of that. But maybe if you're here today and th there's something bigger going on, and you need prayer today. I'm going to, today and every week, I'm off here on the side. And I invite you, if you want to pray with me, you feel free to do so. And a good time to do it is as they're singing about the goodness of God. Will you stand with me? Let's pray together today. Father, I thank you for your presence here today. You've been with us as we've worshipped you in song. You've been with us as we've worshipped you through giving. I believe you've been here with us as we've worshipped you and sought your presence through your word. God, as we sing today, God, you have been good. You've been good to me. You've been good to many in this room today. And so, God, I pray that you let us apply your word to our life. Let us be a blessing that you can use for your kingdom and for your glory. Give us contentment in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.